Hi, everybody. Uh, we have something a bit more lighthearted today as we take you on an amazing culinary journey through Israel as our panel discusses the local flavors, the international impact of Israeli food, the great diversity of Israeli cooking and cuisine, and how food brings us all together. To briefly introduce our guests, first we have Yair Bekir, who helped us put together today's event. Yair founded the Roundtables Festival in Tel Aviv. This is an annual festival that features chefs from around the world who spend a week in the kitchen of a leading restaurant in Israel. Every hosting restaurant serves a tasting menu from the signature dishes of that guest chef, seasoned with the local flavors and ingredients inspired by the Israeli chef. So it truly embodies the spirit of food bringing the world together. Hi, Yair. Um, additionally, Yair is an entrepreneur and has been a partner of many different leading Israeli restaurants. Uh, our next panelist is David Kitschka, who is the chairman of the Israeli Association for Culinary Culture, an entrepreneur in culinary tourism in both Israel and France, and a culinary consultant for various restaurants in addition to establishing his own bakeries. How are you doing, David? Uh, next, we have Ron Blau, who is a Dutch head chef and television personality known for his cooking in the Michelin-starred restaurant of his own namesake. He has opened a number of other restaurants, such as the famous Gastro Bar in Holland, and is now a culinary entrepreneur who has traveled to Israel on a few different occasions. Hi, Ron. Uh, now we have Phil Rosenthal, who created the hit comedy Everybody Loves Raymond. He was the showrunner and executive producer for all nine seasons uh, of the successful run, which ended in 2005. Everybody Loves Raymond was nominated for over 70 Emmy Awards and won 15 awards, including two for Best Comedy Series. Phil's first travel food series, I'll Have What Phil's Having, premiered on PBS in the fall of 2015 and received two Taste Awards, as well as the winner of the 2016 James Beard Award for Best Television Program on Location. Uh, he is now the creator and host of Somebody Feed Phil, a very funny and great unscripted documentary series on Netflix which combines his love of food and travel with his unique brand of humor, and which also did an amazing episode on Israel, which I'm sure we'll talk about today, which is a must watch. Uh, unfortunately, not with us yet, but maybe joining us in the middle will be Raz Rahav, who is an Israeli chef behind the amazing OCD restaurant in Tel Aviv. He was chosen by the French restaurant guy, Goulmial, as the chef of the year in 2018, and his restaurant received a grade of 16, the highest greater restaurant in all of Israel, making it the best Israel restaurant uh, that year. So hopefully he joins us soon. And our moderator today is Rita Goldstein, who is a food journalist covering the Israeli culinary scene for over 10 years. She has written for news outlets such as Ma'arav and Hawala and Mako, and is also a TV host for Keshet, where she is part of the, part of the morning show and has a series about food on one of their nighttime shows. Uh, during the corona lockdown, she was also host of Israel Cooks Together, a daily cooking show with Israel's biggest chefs, also on Keshet. And with that, I turn it over to you, Rita. Oh, thank you. I had no idea that you were going to read everything that everybody wrote about themselves. But yeah, that's a I nice... To, I, I had to do them justice. I had to do them justice. Yeah. Some, uh, I hope that Raz is going to join us soon. Um, and I want to start uh, with our locals for a second, because I think that everyone who joined in today wants to learn about the Israeli food scene and uh, what where's there to start from uh, than here in Israel. So uh, maybe we'll start with uh, Yair and Kishka. And I wanna ask you, what do you think that makes the Israeli cuisine so special and different? Kishka, you can start. Can you hear me? Yeah. Uh, so I think for me is I can't hear myself very well. I think for me the 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 most interesting and important is the eclectic uh, cuisine we have. Uh, you know, if if we count, and this is an endless question about our food identity around here. Uh, and some will say, well, you don't... We have to explain like that, that here there is a huge question whether there is or isn't an Israeli cuisine. It's like the biggest question there is. Is there Israeli food or isn't? Yes. Yeah, so as I said, I think because, you know, we have too many uh, issues uh, around this area with uh, nationalism. So I think it's 
has to refer to, to politics as well. And, and uh, many people are trying to have some part of their cultural identity through food. But uh, uh, speaking about this Israeli food, I think it's really, really gorgeous to have this eclectic uh, uh, food around here. I can count, you know, uh, uh, of course, this area, we are a part of the Mediterranean area. I mean, sometimes we eat uh, the same salad uh, uh, the guy will eat in uh, Cyprus or uh, the south of Italy. And then we are also in this uh, uh, Arabic-Palestinian area. Yeah. And then, then you can very, count... Uh, it, influ it has is a huge influence on us it, because it, it uh, we can't ignore it. Yeah. It, it is, of course, influencing, but... You know, we have to count also 400 years of the uh, Ottoman Empire. Uh, we have a big, big legacy, as well as for the Arab cuisine, Palestinian cuisine, and the Israeli cuisine uh, that is from the uh, uh, Turkish Empire. And then all those Jewish communities that came from all yeah. over the world, from Poland and Uzbekistan and Moroccan food. So all of this together, as well as the kashrut, the kosher rules and the jewish holidays it's a big mixture and if you take all of this and you mix it with young dynamic chefs that are breaking the rules that are traveling all over uh, asia and america and are coming back to israel and trying to make their own identity in a new way i think this is the most interesting eclectic cuisine you can get uh, in this area today yeah, what do you think? No, absolutely, I think David said it uh, in, in the most right way. And and I have to add that that in the last you know uh, our ten years, uh, as as David said, young chefs started to come back from uh, Europe, from Asia, from United States, and uh, and uh, starting to look for their technique. Uh, the, the, our industry over here only started to develop. And so, so there were a lot of opportunities to young chefs to come and, and say something. And so, so something started here in, in our local, in our local uh, market that actually gave it this push because, you know, everybody started to uh, like compete the other one. And so everybody started to look for their, as, as David said, for their own identity and what is our actually Israeli cuisine. So we started, we started our journey uh, more or less like 10, 15 years ago because of the, the same reasons. So I think we can all agree that it's a mixture between the history of the Arab cuisine here and of course the new generation and the fact that we're an immigrant country which has um, influences from all over the world, the Jewish society all over the world. And uh, it's a good time to ask you, Phil and Ron, you visited here and what do you think the most uh, maybe interesting, special, surprising thing for you in the Israeli cuisine as a food tourist? I, I think that uh, when, you, when you have good restaurant, you need good, good guests. And I think the, 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 how people eat in, in Israel, Tel Aviv or, 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 or Jerusalem, that they enjoy food and they, they enjoy life. Uh, and also the service level was, was, was from a high standard in all the restaurants I saw. And, and uh, you can see that on the plate. When you, when you cook like a chef, you have good guests and guests are fun and guests enjoying it. Then you make better food. So also that is very important. In Holland, we have a lot of guests. They, they, they say we have to eat. No, you, you, you say, when you go out for dinner, you have to be fun. You have to have fun. And you have to enjoy and and, uh, and that's that's a I think big compliment to all the guests are going to restaurants in Tel Aviv and Jerusalem where I've been. Um, they have fun. They enjoy it. Yeah, we do have a lot of uh, like in restaurants in Israel. It's more. It's the same amount uh, the food as the atmosphere and yeah. the coming together. Coming together and, and, and yeah. drink a glass of wine and, 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 and talk with each other. It's, it's a very good fight. Phil, what was your impression? I loved it so much. I, I, but I have to tell you, I want to tell all the, everyone who works in hotels that the food at breakfast is so gigantic. It's so big. 
that you almost can't eat anything the rest of the day. So I think if you want to promote the food in Israel, you have to scale back the breakfast at the buffet. That will never happen. That will never happen. Because I know. It's the, it's like the uh, biggest pride of the hotels here is the Israeli breakfast. And yes. uh, I understand you were quite shocked with it. What I else? Was, I, I'm not complaining. I loved it. But it makes it harder to eat everything else Israel has to offer the rest of the day. So can you tell me a little bit about what uh, surprised you here? What yes. do you expect? Yes, the quality of the ingredients and the inventiveness of the preparation was so spectacular to me. I think Israeli food, uh, or what we're calling Israeli food, with all its influences, may be the cuisine of the world at the moment. Everywhere I go, you're seeing more and more uh, what they call Israeli food stand, from falafel to shawarma to, to, uh, to shakshuka. Everybody is picking up on what you people know, have known for a long time. And I love seeing it. And I, I was knocked out really at every meal, no matter if it was at Stekiat Hatzot in, in Jerusalem, or the fanciest restaurants in Tel Aviv, and my friend Uri Buri in uh, Akko. Yeah. Very creative, very beautiful, very fresh. Uh, Michal Ansky's uh, whole way of thinking at, and, at the Tel Aviv market, I think is beautiful and wonderful. And, and uh, I just, I would tell as soon as the world is open again, you couldn't have a better food experience than uh israel so i want to uh come from the place that you were talking about the effects of the israel <laughs> all around the world and yeah. uh, you know before uh the coronavirus began you could really see the israeli chefs have a huge amount of success all over um we have uh safranit and the alshani and of course uh, Yotamo Tolengi and uh, more and more Israeli chefs. Why do you think they're so successful abroad? Like, why do you think the Americans love them so much? And uh, Yair, you can tell us a little bit about how we're uh, seen in the world. Like, are the Israeli chefs like uh, more popular because they come from this kitchen? Well, actually, it's if 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 we take actually the festival, you know, round tables as a, and see how how we started in 2014 and how, where we are today. It's you you can see actually how, as we say, food up bringing people together because you know in 2014 when we brought the, the idea of of bringing some international chefs to Israel in that time. There were hardly any chefs around the world. Uh, people only started to talk a little bit about the great scene that we have here in Tel Aviv, food-wise and of course uh, culture-wise. And uh, and you know it sounds it will sound easy to say, okay, let's bring some some chefs here and and you know and connect them to to some local chefs and you know and promote the world. Uh, and and hi Raz. Hi, sorry for being late. And, and yeah, so, so actually it wasn't so easy. I, the truth is, and the story goes, that I actually called 200 uh, chefs around the world. I made a list from different cities around the world. And, 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 and actually 190 chefs said no. And only 10 chefs said yes. And from the 10 <laughs> chefs that said yes, I brought nine. And that's how we started. And in 2015, we went with nine chefs uh, coming here with their, uh, with their uh, sous chefs or with their managers. And we did the first round tables. And for the local people over here and for the chefs that brought and for the chefs that hosted them, it was, I mean, the most amazing uh, uh, um, uh, experiences uh, that, that, that they had until that day. And, and because of the local chefs that came here and met over 10,000 customers, local customers, that came in to, to experience their cuisine from wherever they came from. I mean, uh, and 
in five years or even year after, I started to talk to chefs that heard about the experience of the chefs that were here or people that were here doing the round tables and suddenly I don't have to call 200 chefs anymore. I can call actually any chef that I think about. I can get connected with him in a few minutes and he would love to come to Tel Aviv to taste the food, to get the experience, to get the audience, as Ron said, amazing, amazing, amazing customers we have here that embrace uh, other cuisines. And, you know, until today, customers are going to the, to the international chefs' restaurants. Chefs are still connected to each other. And, you know, and chefs are now, you know, having amazing success around the world. So in five years, we'll, we were in one stage. Now it's like everybody is there, you know. Phil, can you um, tell me, like, how is it uh, seen in America? Like, uh, the Israeli chefs that are trying to be as famous there as they are here? So, in most of our main cities, Israeli cooking is, is very, very popular. So, you have Michael Salamanov. Do you yeah. know him? In of Philadelphia? Course. Yes. You know Alan Shaya? Of course. So do you know that his restaurant was rated the number one restaurant of any kind in New yeah. Orleans, which is famous for their cuisine, for so New Orleans food. Explain us, how, how is it possible? Like, why? I why know is Israeli chef so successful there? It's very simple. It's delicious. That's it. That's all people care about when they go to eat. Is the food delicious? That's the bottom line. So, Israeli food, not, by the way, not only delicious, it's also healthier than a lot of other cuisines. Yeah, I think it's a really big issue. The thing is that uh, we're used to, you know, eating lots of fruit and lots of vegetables and all sorts of colors. And as you were talking about the Israeli breakfast, which is a bomb of, like, D different kinds of uh, uh, materials. That's what I think uh, is new in the world. Like this perspective, Otolenghi is so famous uh, uh, because of these things, like the colors, yeah. flavors, and freshness and vegetables. Yeah. And, and you I can say you can say that uh, for people who want meat at every meal, right? In America, it's very meat and potato, yeah. right? But here comes Israeli cuisine, where they've taken the vegetables. Yeah. and made them with sauces and spices that are so wonderful and delicious that they don't even miss the meat. I'm, I'm actually really glad to hear that. Um, Raz, let's say hi, how are you? Hi. hi. Sorry we're again very, for being late. We're quite upset, but it's okay. <laughs> I've um, been on service, I, and actually we're in the middle of, of the service right now, yeah, I uh, but I'm here from you. Uh, so actually, yes, I can I'm show you the service you. if you like. Sure, why not? Let's see it. What city are you in? Tel Aviv. Jaffa, Tel Aviv. Here's the service. Everybody. Those are everyone. So actually, I Every wanted to ask the two chefs uh, uh, in the panel. How was it for you in the last couple of months? You know, sitting at home, uh, I assume, a lot of questions about the future of restaurants at all? I think for me it was, um, it was quite unique because we don't have the, the time, in, usually in our, in our profession, we don't have the time to take a little bit of time off. And then, then yeah. we had like three months to sit at home. At the beginning, it was fun because we had like one week of vacation-ish. Um, I realized that I have a home, which I didn't know. Um, and then I thought about what can I, how can I make the best of this time? And we tried to recreate what we're doing from the restaurant. How can we get through people? Uh, how can we get actually to their, their homes, but without making deliveries of the food? So we did 
two or three uh, meals on delivery, but we focused on how can we help uh, people in Israel, in Tel Aviv, to just cook right or cook better. So we tried to sell... Did the restaurant scene like uh, woke up again? I know that OCD, your restaurant, is, uh, it's a very small place, but you know, it still depends on a lot of tourists coming to Israel. And I guess I'm trying to ask, how are you doing right now? Like, um, how can you make the place alive again? So actually we're quite good. And we're fully booked again two to three months in advance, uh, which is an, it's an amazing uh, thing to, to say right now, only one month uh, after yeah. we opened again. Uh, but we worked hard, hard about it. Uh, and we do try, when we created the menu again, for the, before we came back from the coronavirus vacation, if we can say it, um, we we thought about the the menu which we want people to eat a lot a lot with their hands and without any uh, equipment from the restaurant that we need to give them it to them because we don't want a lot of uh, connection between the waiters and the customers. We like the guests to eat on themselves on them themselves. So in OCD we have uh, tonight it's a 19 course tasting menu. Uh, and uh, 13 of the 19 course are eating by hand. Um, and a lot of uh, comfort, we, we talked about a lot about comfort uh, textures when yeah. we built the, the menu. So most of the menu, it's focused about that. Of course, with the ingredients that are now in season and with the, our purpose of recreating the Israeli cuisine or maybe to redefine it because Israeli cuisine mostly known for the Moroccan or the Yemen or the Arab cuisine, which is cool and okay because it, it's part of uh, the terroir of Israel. But we want to take, we want to give our take on the Israeli cuisine uh, as long with the Ashkenaz cuisine and the, um, the techniques from all over the world. Uh, Ron, can I ask you about your restaurants? How is it there? It was it was pretty pretty rough in the beginning because uh, you drive one hundred and you, then you, in one minute you drive in zero. Uh, but it was always it was a good time for 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 to 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 look to myself uh, to my restaurants and 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 develop a totally new concept. Um, we did. Uh, uh, we, we make a restaurant for 80% vegetarian uh, from the 1st of June. Uh, less meat, less fish, but, uh, 80% vegetables. But it was completely different. Um, but for, from, from the start, the guests enjoy that very much and appreciate that. And um, I think all, we have five restaurants and all the five restaurants, we, we, in three months, we, we, and now you had the time to, to, to sit and to think and, and to create new things because you're always on a train, you're busy, busy 14 hours a day. Uh, yeah. So also this was, this was by accident a good time to, to, to stand on the, on the, on the ram and, and, and focus on new things. So, and is yeah. everything back to normal? Every, all the places are open and people no. are back? Now we, we start 1st of June, one month now. And uh, we opened two of the five restaurants. The rest is open in, one, in July. In the beginning, we had uh, 30 guests inside and outside. We had a maximum of, of 60. And from July, we can bring in how much, if you can, with one and a half meter between the tables. Uh, so it's pretty, pretty, pretty back to normal. And, and the first month, we had a better month than the last year. So it was crazy. Wow. Also, with good weather and... and, and I think um, when you do the same thing when you as three months ago, then you got, you don't gonna make it. People want to see change, and, and uh, also the, the perspective. Everything has changed in three months, also by the end. So you have to make do different things, and also uh, less less couffer, more surface, more quality. I think uh, uh, I'm glad to hear that Raz has a. Uh like the palace is full, but a lot of restaurants in Israel have have quite a hard time right now. Uh, the predictions are that 40, 50% of local businesses uh, won't make it. 
uh, after the, the coronavirus. And uh, even if they will, it, they're going to have to change. Like the things that you're telling and the things that, that Raz is telling, I think it's going to be a very different uh, food scene. But uh, we talked about a little bit about the restaurants. I want Kishka to tell us about the local markets, which think, are, yeah. Like in Amsterdam, yeah. before uh, there were too many restaurants, too many. Every, every shop was closed. Then they all oh, put a restaurant in it because we can't. Yeah, we, it we, was like that in Tel Aviv also. And it's crazy. And, 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 and so we had, we had not enough chefs. We had not enough waiters. And now... I think in these yeah. three months, we're going to reboot again. And that's okay for the business. It's quite the same uh, how here. How hard it is, but it's reality. Yeah. Um, and uh, Kishka, are you, are you uh, willing to tell us about the other area of Israeli uh, food, which is even, I think, more important than the restaurants, the markets? Uh, you make uh, tours in the markets in Israel, and I think uh, the people that never visited the, a local market in Tel Aviv, in Jerusalem, in Netanya, wherever, uh, what's so special about them? You know, culinary tourism uh, is all over the world. It's very, very uh, important because people can have a part of the local culture uh, with uh, through. A, a very nice market or with wonderful bites and drinks. So in Israel, the same uh, developed uh, very, very fast the last five years. Uh, you know, in Jerusalem, the Machane Yehuda market is now, after the Western Wall, the second yeah. important tourist places. It's crazy. Uh, five years ago, it was uh, uh, the Holocaust Museum or the Israeli Museum at the second place etc. So I think uh, uh, it became very, very important. But unfortunately, and I see it now uh, with the corona, it was so touristic that people stopped uh, going to the market to actually buy their ingredients. And let's face no, it. Even if, they, even if they came to the market, you couldn't always find the ingredients because of so many restaurants. And so many so restaurants many... and also the, the prices and, and, and let's face it, most of the people will buy uh, fruit and vegetable in a big supermarket chain store. Uh, I say unfortunately because I like the, you know, the small businesses to, to survive. So uh, I, do, uh, I do see, you know, uh, some of them work. I was in Jerusalem and in Nazareth uh, this weekend and... Uh, uh, people are suffering. So hopefully now, uh, if we can, uh, uh, you know, take the Israeli back again uh, to the local places and the Israeli can't fly to Europe. So they must do, you know, the, the Israeli uh, tourism for ourselves. Uh, yeah. maybe, it's gonna give, maybe it's gonna give life again to those local market, hopefully, because I don't see it. Uh, uh, how tourists will come until uh, the end of uh, 2020, at least. Uh, but yes, it's very important and colorful and a part of our culture. And I really like those, uh, those markets and taking all those chef delegations coming from all over. I hope we're going to see them soon. But meanwhile, I hope the Israeli will go back to visit and, and, and uh, discover again the local marketplaces. Yeah, and uh, I think that uh, the most special thing about Israeli markets is not, of course, uh, the really fresh and great products, but uh, the interesting food. It's a very young uh, arena, and all the young chefs always start in the market because there's always a lot of people, and you can experiment with it, and you can put everything inside a pita or uh, in a challah bread, and you have, like... Uh, people coming all the time and it's such a great uh, place to experience everything like a bite from here a bite from there and um i wanted to ask you raz how um are your flavors in ocd influenced by like the local cuisine you talked about the mixture of uh, influences from the arab kitchen and uh the Ashkenazi uh, Jewish kitchen, like 
we started the conversation when you were gone and we talked about is there such a thing in Israel? So if uh, our youngest chef here, do you think that there is such a thing? I think that uh, the Israeli cuisine, it's, it's quite complicated because if you say to someone out of Israel that you cook Israeli cuisine, a lot of people straightly goes to those, those hard spices and those hard um, flavors that we used to eat in the Arab and Moroccan spice in Moroccan cuisines, which is, like I said, it, it's definitely a part of the Israeli cuisine. But I think that the real Israeli cuisine will, is, we're just evolving. We're just, uh, we're just creating the cuisine right now. Only in, I don't know, 100 or 200 years, it will be a real cuisine. For now, it's a melting pot. And it's like, a, I don't know, maybe Phil can help me. If, is there anything like a New York cuisine from now or if it's a melting pot as well? Because I think that Manhattan and Tel Aviv or Israel, it's quite the same as a melting pot of cuisines. New York is absolutely a melting pot, uh, but I find that where I travel in the world, the whole world is a melting pot now. And this is a very yes. good thing, right? Where, yes, where you have influences from everywhere and you get these wonderful combinations. In, there's a restaurant near my house that's Indian-Mexican, right? Nice. I love it. And yes, it's amazing. We all have, yeah, we all have the, of the form of bread that we put things in, everyone, right? So once you do that, you know who, do you, do you know who Roy Choi is? Yeah. Okay, yes. so he, he, he was a Korean American, he is a Korean American who grew up in Los Angeles and lived among many Mexican people. So he created the Korean taco, corn tortilla, Korean barbecue in the tortilla, and he painted his truck, uh, this was, I, I want to say, in 2009, Kogi, K-O-G-I. And this truck had weights. You would wait online at the truck for an hour and a half to two hours. And it changed the food scene of the world because now food trucks are everywhere, stylized food trucks. And it wasn't just the truck. It was what was in the truck. It was this mashup of culture and of course it had to be delicious or no one would care but it is so your answer is the whole world is a melting pot there are certain things that are specifically done well i would say in israel right that are also done well in new york i hope you got uh, inspiration from that story Roz, about definitely. the definitely and uh as you, you asked about the time on the corona and how it affected the flavors in my cuisine. And yeah. I think that in that period of time, in those three months where I was mainly at home and I cooked for myself first time for seven years, I think, um, I found myself cooking things that I maybe never cooked or I uh, didn't eat like a lot of time. Uh, some things that even my mom cooked for me when I was even younger. And when we came back to the restaurant, I, uh, I had so much new flavor that I wanted to, uh, to search and to give the, the guests in the restaurant. So we made a specific one dish that is a, you said taco. It's a, like a taco, it's a soft shell taco, which we've made out of green buckwheat. That for me, green buckwheat, although it doesn't um, grow in Israel, it's, it's childhood because I grew up in a Polish house, which we had way too much buckwheat. And then I, uh, I discovered the no green, the green buckwheat. Hmm? As Again, Russian, there is no such thing. There is no such thing as the too much uh, buckwheat. Uh, we can fight about it. Um, but, but today I like buckwheat a lot. And I use buckwheat a lot in, in the restaurant. Uh, and I think it's Israeli because who can tell me it's not? Um, I grew up on it. And as, as we said, it's a melting pot of cultures. So we made a soft shell taco 
out of green buckwheat. And inside, we used all the foragings that we've made here in Tel Aviv with some uh, organic uh, zucchini on a raw charcoal, which we, uh, we, we uh, cook it directly on charcoal, not on the grill or something, just on a hot charcoal from, that we get from uh, Hadera, uh, citrus charcoal. Um, and I think it's one of the dishes that recreates the melting pot in Tel Aviv and here in uh, OCD cuisine. Uh, we have much more uh, examples from the restaurant, but the main idea is that we learned a lot about, about ourselves and what we like to cook uh, with the Israeli uh, ingredients in that period of time. And then we, when we came back to, to create a, a fine dining uh, new menu for the fine dining restaurant, it was quite weird because those were, were uh, flavors that we didn't use before on the restaurant. Yeah. Uh, I want all of you to think for a second uh, about my next question, which is uh, for the people who are coming to Israel, who are going to come, I hope so, uh, when the sky will be open, what would you recommend them to eat, to try, uh, outside of Tel Aviv, I hope, so think about it for a second, and uh, Phil, I have uh, a special video for you that I'm, uh, yes, don't be shocked. The next question for you is, uh, why do you think that food brings people together? But before the question, there's a video, so you can play the video, whoever controls it. The ancient port of Jaffa is a predominantly Arab neighborhood in the oldest part of Tel Aviv, Yafo. This is where the biblical stories of Jonah, Solomon, and St. Peter were set. And this is from the book of St. Nathan. I passed your bakery before and it looked so good I want to buy something. I happened to walk by a bakery and I noticed that the Arab gentleman behind the counter had a shirt. Arabs and Jews refused to be enemies. What? Yeah. My great grandfather started this bakery, and we've always been Jews before 1948, after 1948. So we decided to make this story as a tribute. That's a good story. History. Yeah. Hold this one second. I'm going in. This is right out of the oven, right? Wow, it's super hot. Yeah. I have to wait a minute. Okay. together and always has 140 years all right this is pretty damn delicious you made me so happy shalom so i want to recommend this bakery to everybody abu lafi well that's that's your answer right there is, uh, uh, how does food bring us together? I just wanted together? to ask you, why the hell did you take my dream and make that show? Why? Uh, you can what have a show. You can have a show like this. It, you know how long it took me to get this show? Yeah, ten, like uh, ten years. Seventy Emmys. Yeah, that's right. You need that. Yeah, so I'm, but, I'm but, close. I'm close. No, but really, uh, here in Israel, we have, uh, you know, everybody knows about the political complex situation. And I think it's even more important to communicate uh, through food. And it was a very good example, your video, but uh, I, I hope you can uh, all like uh, jump in and tell me if you think that it really happens, like is food really bringing people together here in Israel? Raz, I can see you, so you can answer. Or Ron, or Yair, whoever. I think that uh, definitely uh, food do, do uh, brings people together. And if I need to choose one thing, in, Israel, in Tel Aviv or outside of Tel Aviv, for people from outside to, to experience, it's yeah. mainly those small shops or joints that 
people can taste uh, this melting pot that we talked about inside the pita or on a small plate or just in a very, very, very casual uh, experience because those are the places that the very unique uh, combinations uh, are, uh, are created, just like in a Kogi. I think you're, you're right. Yair? Well, I actually find that a lot of tourists that come here, you know, go more to the street food level and, you know, and, you know, the markets and so. But actually, I think that we are excel in the fine casual dining, where I call it fine, fine food. Uh, all the casual, uh, even even like, you know, Raza restaurant, which is, uh, for us, it's a, it's a new thing that, you know, find, we don't have so much fine dining, but it's still our way of fine dining. And, and we are starting to excel in that fine, fine, uh, fine food and even fine dining. And I would tell them, come and try also that, and not only go to those streets and markets. I mean, spend 50-50% time because there, those are the places where magic happens for me. In our, in our, you know, scene. Kishka? Well, uh, you know, we were talking about the, the market. I, I would like also to speak about the Israeli agriculture uh, and, yeah. and, this, and the small producer. And I think, and we saw it a lot during this corona, I think the government must do many, many more efforts supporting the local uh, small producer uh, uh, and the local agriculture because uh, I think it can hurt the culinary, this culinary culture we are dreaming about, what Raz and Yair and you, Rita, and all of us are dreaming about in our small country is to build this culinary culture that, of course, it's also uh, looking toward the future, and we have lots of uh, startups in the food innovation and food tech, but also we must keep uh, uh, the, the, the agriculture, the small, the small producer, the, the method, the recipes we have, uh, uh, and the balance in between, I think is very, very uh, delicate. And for me, as for me, not uh, many efforts are being uh, done uh, by the government, the, the Minister of the Tourism, the Minister of uh, the Culture, uh, and I think they, they should do much more uh, especially if now, especially to, now. Answer the question, what do you think that people who are going to come to Israel should eat outside of Tel Aviv? Small places. Um... The best recommendation I can give is to give me a call uh, one week before they come and I will always give them the best bite of the moment because sometimes, uh, you know, it's a seasonal bite and it changes changes but you can go either to the desert and have lovely goat cheese and you can go to the Judean hills and and have the the J Jerusalem terroir and you can go to the Golan Heights and and have wonderful wine and cherries uh, I mean really we are a small country but still we can speak about terroirs and you can have all this food all over you can go to a small Druze village and have gorgeous food and you can yeah. go to a, a Moshav and have some Kurdish and Iraqi Kube so you can really enjoy all of this and especially I think uh, uh, Jerusalem and Tel Aviv are being very you know the the uh, and Tel Aviv for sure because it's a non-kosher so it opens the mind and it's much more eclectic than all the other cities and you can find almost everything uh, around here or an hour, an hour and a half from Tel Aviv, Akko, Haifa, etc. Uh, it's a lovely, many, many places, really. Yeah, I also think that uh, uh, cities like maybe Haifa and uh, Nazareth and Akko and uh, uh, all the all mixed cities. What? Actually, I, I'm saying all the mixed cities are the best yeah so you, you were yeah, asking about bringing most tourists uh, tend to miss them because exactly they go there yeah and bringing people together in the mixed city is wonderful and even phil can have an a donuts in an arab bakery in jaffa you know it's wonderful <laughs> Um, we're actually, Phil, you, you, uh, drove the audience crazy because of your, uh, buffet note. Everybody's asking us 
how uh, are the Israeli hotels doing right now with the breakfast buffet? Because it's no longer possible because of the corona. Uh, I don't want to disappoint. We were at a hotel at the weekend. I thought it was great because then um, you have like waiters around the buffet and you can ask them whatever you want and they just bring it to you. And then no one else touches it. I think it's the best. Uh, they would figure out a way to do it. So if you're afraid that the Israeli buffet has gone away, it wasn't, it's still there, it's fine, the breakfast is still huge. Um, but Yair, I wanted to ask you uh, about the festival. Is it going to happen right now because of the situation? Are you planning on uh, something in the future? Well, What? actually, we Actually, there were the, this year at May, at the beginning of May, there were supposed to uh, uh, come here 12 different chefs from Argentina uh, until Indonesia. And we had to do the round tables, but in the street food version. And the idea was to do more or less the same kind of uh, festival, but take it to the street and take in still, you know, like Michelin, very high rated chefs from all over the world, but bringing them actually to our comfort zone now and do like a street food uh, international festival. And it's supposed to happen, you know, uh, one and a half months ago and it canceled. And uh, as for now, it's, uh, we can only talk about a dream about 2021, you know. So, unfortunately. Yeah. A year um, and a half of planning. We're, we actually have a very nice question from our audience, which is important to me, about women in the kitchens in Israel. Um, I'm the only woman here, uh, and uh, it's sad for me, but uh, I don't think it's different from any other place, actually, in professional kitchens. Uh, we do have great chefs, women, but uh, not as much. Ron, is it different uh, in the Netherlands? No, it's not different. A lot of women start in the kitchen and then... And Uh, the way they, they quit or they, they find another job or something different but we have fantastic women in, in they are very very good but too less uh yeah the situation here is also that uh the kitchen is a very hard life uh for women i can't even count three or four uh, leading women chefs in Israel. It's uh, sad for me. Raz, I can see that you want to comment. Uh, no, I, I thought about uh, four leading women chefs in Israel, uh, just like you. I believe that we thought about the same ones. Uh, yeah. But I can add one more thing, that yeah. all of the women chefs that worked for me anytime, were the best chefs that I ever work, worked with, ever. Um, discipline, um, even just as chefs, not only discipline and the cleaning and like the, the basic things that chefs need to do, even as we talked about flavors and uh, acting on service, and hospitality, everything. They were the best employees that I have ever had. And yes, it's a shame that we don't have more. Harder. Everybody knows that. Um, I think that you're right. Maybe we as men uh, work uh, much more hours and we like to, to say that we work harder. But as I saw with my own employees, the women chefs that worked for me were simply better. I'm glad, I'm glad that you said that. Um, I think that uh, that, that's right. It's everybody's part to um, include more women in kitchens and help them uh, to do so. And we have a question about Jewish food in America. I think, Phil, uh, you'll be the best to answer that. No, actually, everybody can answer it. Uh, so... Jewish food, as you all know, in America is like chicken soup and uh, bagels and deli food. And in Israel, the Jewish food is uh, quite different. Uh, does the Eastern European influence uh, the Israeli cuisine? Uh, 
Raz, we started to talk about it. Uh, maybe Kishka, you can uh, answer? Well, you know, uh, most of the uh, Jewish uh, community in the States uh, came from uh, Europe and, and the food is Ashkenaz. In Israel, um, it's 50-50, but as I said before, the country is hot. We are in the, uh, the Mediterranean area. Uh, and I think we, uh, we, we, you know, the you adaptation... You can eat chicken soup twice a year, basically. Well, I can eat chicken soup every day, but you know, the, the adaptation and, and also a part of this hospitality being uh, uh, a bit more... Um, the philosophy of, of food, of sharing the food in the Oriental and Mediterranean community, I think is far more fun to most of the people. Uh, and so you see this uh, mixture, although uh, uh, many, still many of the Ashkenazi bakeries you can find all over Israel are very, very influencing and, and, and the bread and dairy. Uh, uh, but it's true that a lot of the new so-called uh, Israeli food and street food is much more uh, hot, uh, spicy and, and, and a mix of Oriental, Mediterranean Turkish uh, food. So you cannot find many uh, uh, salmon and bagel, cream cheese bagel. Yeah. Uh, most of them uh, are in Jerusalem. Are, it's in Jerusalem, you know. Most of them are in Jerusalem and are serving uh, uh, guys from uh, Brooklyn that are coming to the yeshiva in Jerusalem. But as for the... Or it's at the hotel breakfast. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Uh, but uh, most of the Israelis just... Stop with uh, the hotel breakfast. Everybody's asking about the breakfast. But, you know, I'm, so I want to say one thing about this breakfast. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. But I hate food waste. And in Israel... Yeah, that's true. 35% of the food... Uh, uh, that's true. Is going to the garbage, especially, especially in big hotels, okay? So, so there's something also uh, <laughs> an annoying, annoying. Yes, yeah, yeah. you're right. But let, let me go to the next question, which is not about food waste, even though it's a very important subject. We're asked to recommend a hole in the wall, a small place that uh, people who visit Israel uh, have to eat. So... Uh, let me start because what I do all day is uh, eat in every place that <laughs> opens. I try to be everywhere. So first, um, I would tell you to, if Kishka tells you to call him, you can uh, find basically every place uh, worth the recommendation in my uh, Instagram account. So if you want, uh, you can also ask me there. But I think that the most amazing place that you can visit in Israel is a tiny, tiny, tiny restaurant called Sharabik. It's in Rama. It's owned by a, one man who cooks all the food. And when he, he's done for the day, he's done for the day. You can cry like I cried lots of times when I came and the food was over. And he picks the, the, the vegetables and he makes the food and it's so delicate and so special. So that's my uh, hole in the wall place. Uh, Ron, what was the best bite you had in Israel? My first experience was uh, Miznon. Ah, Yalshanis Pita, yes. And uh, there was, I, I, I was doing a dish with a round table with a cauliflower. I thought, no, this can this be a dish to, to show to Tel Aviv. And I think Yair brings me the first lunch to uh, Mizdona. I saw 50 cauliflowers there. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it was great. It was great. Phil, what was your best experience? Best well, it was, it was a couple of years ago. I had a wonderful meal at Raza's place at OCD. It was phenomenal for the high-end stuff. But the, the, the bite on the casual side was in Michal Ansky's market in Tel Aviv, her mother has a place called Sherry Herring. You know it? Yeah, she does herring sandwiches. Yes, of course. This is one of the best sandwiches in the world. So you, you flew to Tel Aviv for a herring sandwich? That was the best? You're from New York. I would, oh, I would fly again for that sandwich. That's a very nice recommendation. I, I love the market next to the beach. And yes. 
Yael, your recommendation? Well, I have to be very, uh, you know, I, I like the Kosem. It's something, the falafel of the Kosem, it's something that I have to eat at least once a month. So, you know, that's my ultimate bite. Raz? I think that I need to go with your recommendation of Sharabik, and especially for the eggplant and raspberry dish, uh, yeah. which is one of the best bites I have ever had in Israel all of my time that I can remember me eating in Israel. And I hate eggplants, so that's a lot. Yeah, I also don't really like eggplants, but something about <laughs> it being so delicate and fresh and different and it's, the mixture it's just of activity. So, so right. Oh, Sabih uh, Chernikovsky. Mm, yes, good one. Yeah, you like it? <laughs> yes. What is the restaurant you recommend? What? What is the name of it? I can I, I write it down. That I recommend Sharabik. It's called Sharabik. Good that you asked because I can see that a lot of people asked also. It's called Sharabik. It's small. You can only come during lunchtime and come early because the food is over quite uh, fast. What city? And it's in Rama. It's a village. There are yes. a lot of great restaurants there. Also a restaurant named Ezba which is run by a couple, amazing couple. They have a really nice uh, shish barak. Do you know shish barak? No. It's like uh, Arab dumplings, uh, quite uh, like um, the Russian pilmini, but yeah. in a yogurt sauce. It's cooked um, similar to a yogurt soup. The dumpling is very moist inside. It's uh, filled with meat and it's also amazing. It's a very nice restaurant. Also there, they have tons of restaurants. I don't think a lot of tourists go there, but it's like Israelis love to go there. Okay. I can see you're charmed, Bill. You're charmed. Uh, are we next, time, next time. Will you all come with me? Sure. <laughs> yes, I will sure. take you there. No problem. I'll okay. add my favorite is, is a small place in Sfat. There's a Yemenite restaurant that makes sandwiches. You're um, going to talk about the Malach in Sfat? Well, how do you pronounce it? It's Lachuchu. What is it? Lachuchu. Lachuchu. Yes. It's a Yemenite pita. I'm not sure the place is still running, but I hope for you because it was your best bite. I mean, I, I loved it. When I go to Sfat, you go to that, you know, that old little area, and then you get the, the Yemenite sandwich. They're also, also, uh, like makes it. they're also like very joyful. Very joyful, which is yeah, part of it, right? Part of eating is joyful. It's well, a party, yeah. It's a party. It's a Yemenite party, and it's called Lachuch. It's like a large uh, lafa, yeah. uh, very, um, it's filled with air, and they fill it with all sorts of. Uh, very like fluffy, very fluffy. Yeah. Yeah. I would yeah. like to recommend. Oh. I would like to recommend yeah. Azura. Tel um, Aviv, Jerusalem. Both of them. Both of them. Oh, I've yeah. been there. Fantastic in Jerusalem. Fantastic, Fantastic. in Jerusalem. Yes. And it's very uh, in Jerusalem. It's in the Machne Yuda Market. They opened uh, in 1952. Uh, wow. So, you know, it's a, an institution and one of and the brothers... And there you have to eat the sofrito, no, Kishka? Uh, well, you should eat the Azura dish, actually. The sofrito is okay, but the Azura dish is wonderful. It's an eggplant with meat and cinnamon and pine nuts, and it's uh, delicious. And they also have one in uh, Tel Aviv, and I think it's, uh, yeah. it's very, you know, it's Iraqi, Kurdish, Syrian, Turkish style of flavor. Uh, very, very delicious homemade cooking. I like the, the kube there. The Excellent. Red kube. The red one, yes. Yes, the red one. Also the, the sweet sour one. I'm sorry for that. Okay. I think we're just about out of time. We're out of time. You know what? What we're going to yeah. do is we send a follow-up email for everybody that watched today, and we're going to go back and write all the names of these restaurants down, so we'll send it to everybody because I think... Like me, everybody wants to go to Israel right now and go eat some food. Yeah, come, 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 come. <laughs> and somehow I'm skip, skip the breakfast uh, so, we don't, so we can eat all the other stuff. <laughs> no, never skip breakfast, no. <laughs> um, once again, everybody, thank you. Thank you, everybody on our panel. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you all. Thank you.